and welcome to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast, where every week we explore different stories around water that include safe water projects, trends in the water space, and blue mind. We hope you enjoy listening, and now here's your host, Kevin Sofen. Hello everyone, Kevin Sofen here on the Rethinking H2O podcast, sitting in wonderful Elkhart Lake alongside the president of Elkhart Lake Improvement Association, John Schott president of Elia for five years now, and glad to be sitting here at the table with you. How you doing, John? Never better. It's a great place to spend the day. I mean, this is the best office I could ever ask for. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what is Elia and, and what does Elia do? Sure. Elia was founded back in 1964 by a group of concerned uh, uh, lake owner, property owners, as well as local residents and some people who come and visit as tourists and find interest in the lake and wanting to be a part of uh, helping keep it blue. And it's really focused on uh, several different areas. Uh, certainly the water quality and making sure that the water is good, uh, boating safety and recreational safety and recreational opportunities, uh, and also uh, educational uh, activities to help tell the story of the lake and what we're trying to do to help keep Elkhart blue. So we're talking about keep Elkhart blue in terms from a water quality standpoint. What is ELIA, which stands for Elkhart Lake Improvement Association, what is ELIA doing to actually keep Elkhart blue? It's an interesting uh, question when you say keeping it blue, which means keeping it clean, really. Uh, our focus from a water quality standpoint through our citizens lake monitoring program, as well as our committee reviews of areas around the lake, is to locate and identify potential problem sources of uh, either invasive or other related issues that are impacting the lake quality from both the water quality standpoint and an enjoyment quality standpoint. So what are the different factors that go into positively or negatively impacting the lake quality in regards to something that could infect the fish or even a, a, someone who's just swimming in the lake? Well, this is a much longer story than you perhaps want, but let me give you just a small piece of it. Uh, one of the big areas that we're concerned about is invasive weeds, uh, non-native uh, growth that's occurring in the lake, which then clogs up the lake and changes the character of the lake uh, for all the users. We have uh, identified one such spot on the south side of the lake called Nusas Bay, uh, and it was being fed by a uh, culvert that ran from a watershed on the south side of the lake and carried far more phosphorus materials into the lake than really should be allowed. And what that was doing was feeding this growth of weeds as well as algae and creating quite a uh, a mess within the lake and a very unpleasant characteristic as well. And obviously those weeds then spread to other parts of the lake and so containing them is very important to us. So that runoff, that what does that cause? I know that is that that's a runoff of fertilizer that leads to elevated levels of nitrogen and phosphorus and is that what causes the weed growth? That's what that's what uh well, shall we say encourages the weed growth, becomes its enabler. And it comes from a lot of uh, different areas, but the major area is from agricultural runoff. And that's typically from manure that 
is spread, gets into the ground, gets into the water table or into our discharge uh, system and end up in the lake, uh, unfortunately. And it's tough because humans, we need to eat. We need our farmers, but there's also these negative externalities that occur when you have put a lot of fertilizer down on the ground and it's helping the, the plants grow, but there's also when it rains or there's too much of it, that fertilizer is running off to somewhere. Right. And I think the interesting thing is that the farmers are sensitive to this issue and became a part of the solution in this case as to how we could design and build a system that would help address the problem that we were experiencing. Between the Sheboygan County Office of Planning and Environment, local farmers in the area, local property owners along the watershed area, and Elia, we were all focused on trying to find a better way of controlling the runoff and managing it effectively. And to that end, the county came up with a very unique proprietary design for a phosphorus filter uh, on the south side of the lake area that was topographically placed for a gravity-fed solution to the problem we were experiencing. So this was involving four different stakeholders, and it was something where everyone came together and talked about, hey, we all believe that the, import, the health and quality of the lake is something that is important and beneficial to us, to all of us. Let's come together, work together, and implement a solution that's going to solve this problem. Right. And it was really, it was interesting to sit down at the table, literally, with all of those people, as well as some of the contractors that were involved in the project, to talk this through and to make sure we were all pointed in the right direction and on the same page. So walk me through, what, what does this project look like? You say a water treatment filter somewhere on the south side. Where is it installed? What is it doing? And, and what, what was the timeline and, and cost of this project? Sure. Uh, we started uh, last fall uh, actually implementing the system and putting it in place. But the discussion started easily a year before that. What it consists of is an uh, in-ground filter bed lined system filled with iron slag that attracts the phosphorus coming through the runoff and filters out that which we don't want and then releases the improved water into the drainage system of the watershed. I say improved because it's not perfect uh, and it can vary depending upon rainfall or the amount of manure that's spread um, the time of the year, uh, any number of different factors. But we know we're making a big step in the right direction. And we will, this is a learning process. We will continue to do more with this system in the watershed itself to uh, improve the results that we're already seeing. That's amazing. So what you say results we're already seeing, what results have we seen? Well, our initial uh, take from the... We have, let me go back. We have two control stations, one at the inlet to the filter bed and one very nearby at the exit or the outlet for the filter bed. And so we take samples of water coming in and samples of water going out. And did we see some level of reduction with initial tests or has there still to be determined? So the initial tests showed a reduction of about 80%. Wow. Which was exciting. The reality has been on a longer term, the results have not been that consistently high. 
probably closer to 40 to 50 percent. And we're trying to understand exactly what's driving those differences. We're looking at adding uh, flow meters to the intake and the outlet areas so we understand the relationship of volume uh, with our uh, readings. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of different characteristics and, and variables that go into understanding how effective this water treatment project is. And, and you mentioned that there's this filter media in there that actually attracts the phosphorus. Right. Does that mean that there's a, a, life sh a shelf life to this media? And how, how long does that media last for? Sure. Think of it kind of like your water softener where you have to replace the salt every once in a while. Well, the salt for the iron slag in this case that we need to replace uh, should last for about 10 years based on the sizing of the system that was built and the runoff that we're seeing uh, that we had measured in advance, hopefully, to get a sized system that would be effective for a longer period of time. So in 10 years, we'll go in, dig up the, the filter media that's in there and replace it with fresh filter media. It may be that we would do it sooner, but we'll be monitoring that as well. And, and so what was the initial cost of this system, and what, what does it cost to maintain it every year or when the filter needs to be placed in 10 years? Okay. So the initial cost was about $50,000. Uh, county had grant money, got some of their own budget money, some small amounts from Elia. Um, the farmer was granted a, a buffer zone contract, so we paid for some of that uh, out of the county funds and uh, set aside this land uh, for use of this filter for the next 10 years. Uh, the ongoing costs are about $1,000 a year to maintain the surface area of the filter, more or less from an aesthetic standpoint than anything else. But uh, And then the ongoing filtering uh, evaluations through water testing. There may be some additional costs as we add things like flow meters, and there may be additional costs to this system as we look at adding yet another retention pond further down the watershed and closer to the lake as yet another retaining basin to help more settling occur before the water actually gets into the lake. Gotcha. So that, that retention pond, even kind of like the water treatment system, it's just another sort of buffer zone to stop the water from running completely unfiltered and completely unfiltered discharge into the water and giving us some time to actually naturally filter in the watershed and the filter media. Exactly. Makes sense. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, this is a remarkable project that really showed that the work between multiple stakeholders, a, a little charity within Elkhart Lake, the interested lake goers, the, the house owners. I mean, this is an amazing project that I know you spearheaded. So on behalf of the rest of the board directors and all of Elkhart Lake and all the visitors, I thank you. Because one thing that I think we need to really do with Elia is showcase that we're really doing things to not just benefit ourselves, but to benefit everyone. And the quality and the importance of, of not only a blue lake, but a clean lake benefits everyone. The visitors, the hotels, Road America, everyone benefits from a clean blue lake. And this is just one piece of this puzzle that goes towards improving the overall lake quality here for everyone. Correct. It's kind of like uh, in marketing, there's a whole bag of tricks. There's not one simple solution for providing the story for what you're trying to accomplish. And in this case, 
there are lots of pieces that go into keeping the lake clean and blue and well-balanced so that it provides the kind of recreational opportunities uh, that all of us want, whether it's sailing, boating, fishing, swimming, kayaking, you name it. I mean, I did it this morning, and I know there's nothing I love more than just diving off Big Blue and being fully submersed in the water and having clean, safe drinking water around me and not worrying about nasty eutrophication, algae growth, or nasty weeds on me. And and I think it's sometimes easy to take that for granted because there is a lot of different threats to the lake quality. And it's important that we all do proactive measures to make sure it stays that way. Yeah. I think Elkhart Lake and those of us who enjoy it are extremely fortunate in the fact that Elkhart is a very deep lake. So it has some defenses of its own, if you will. And it is in very good shape based on our Lake Water uh, Citizens uh, Monitoring Committee results that we're getting on a regular basis. Because we do test water samples and evaluate cl uh, clarity. But when it's clean, it's the perfect time to keep it clean. Yeah. So we don't have to try to re recover from a disaster. We try to maintain at a high level. And uh, it's kind of like like a lot of other things, you exercise daily to stay in shape. You keep yourself in good shape. It lasts a lifetime. Proactive maintenance, not reactive maintenance. Exactly. I like it. So one last thing. What are What's ahead for Elia in 2018 and, and moving forward to 2020, 2025, 2025? What, what are some other projects that you see on the horizon that are that Elia will be involved with? Well, the county is helping us map the other uh, watersheds that uh, – flow into the lake, and we will be then coordinating with them water sampling assessments to see if there are specific things that we should be looking at in, in any one of those areas, because the watersheds are really kind of one of the key water input areas for, for the lake, in addition to the spring-fed nature that Elkhart enjoys. And then the other thing is that we are looking at new and better ways of uh, invasive weed management. This year, we started doing what we call diver-assisted suction harvesting, where we actually take the entire weed and its roots out of the lake and in the process remove all that organic matter from the bottom of the lake, which as it decays over time, will otherwise become food for the next cycle of weed growth. Mm -hmm. So this is our first attempt. It's a, a very, uh, how should I say, non-invasive way of weed management, and we're hoping to see this spread Fortunately, we've seen our weed areas under management shrink over time because of the treatments that we have done. So we're not focusing on the entire lake, but on very specific areas of the lake. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to acknowledge and understand as well. I like that. And I mean, I think like you said earlier, the, within marketing, but also with lake quality, there's, there's no silver bullet, the one simple solution that's right. going to fix this problem. But it does seem that the combination of water quality, watershed management, to different solutions to remove and maintain weeds, to educating people that are bringing their boats in and properly discharging ballast water. A lot of these different things all make a huge impact to ultimately make the lake blue and keep Elkhart blue. Exactly. And that's what we're all about. That's what we're all about. And uh, if anyone wants to learn more, uh, they can go on keepelkhartblue.org. And we're excited to launch more of these podcast educational series around different things in the lake. So, John, this was a, 
a great first podcast here for Keep Elkhart Blue on the Rethinking H2O podcast. And uh, thank you for your time today. Well, Kevin, thank you for taking the initiative to put this together and, and make this something that more people can get involved in. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rethinking H2O podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media at Responsible. And stay tuned for future episodes of the show. We'll see you next time on the Rethinking H2O podcast.